2: Hi guys and welcome back to another new episode of You Need Therapy. My name is Kat and I am your host and glad you're here. Glad you made it back or glad you made it here for the first time. Uh, Before we get into anything, just a quick reminder that this is not therapy, just a place for you to hear about therapy and learn about some concepts that might encourage you to go to therapy. I hope we're all doing great today or you know what, actually I take that back. I hope we are all having the day that we need to have. Sometimes that looks like great. Sometimes it looks like a shit show. You know, it is what it is. I'm really excited this week because one, I'm going to make this intro super short because the episode is just so good and juicy and full of so much good stuff. I have somebody coming back for the second time. You have probably heard of her if you're a fan of the podcast. Her name is Aubrey, Aubrey Henderson, and she is awesome. She is somebody who actually went to grad school one year below me at Vanderbilt, and she's since has moved to New York City with her family and is a self-worth coach, which is different than a therapist. But the really cool thing about her is that she went to the same training as I did. So she just is really smart and she's just really great. I was telling her after we recorded, she's just like a unique individual in the fact that she is great at what she does, not just because she's great at what she does, but because she has like more training and more understanding and more knowledge than an average coach. And she found what she loves to do and the clients that she loves to work with. And she sticks to that, which is what the goal is. She just does it so well. I just love her and I really look up to her. And I think she is just great in so many aspects. So the last time she came on, we talked about befriending our inner critic and what that means and how to do that. And if you haven't listened to that episode, go back and give that a listen. And this week, she comes and talks to us about breaking up with people pleasing. And oh, my gosh, is this like needed more than ever now, especially after the episode I did on codependency. I think a lot of people are like, oh, gosh, I have some work to do. This is a great place to start. A great conversation to start with. So before I, I introduce the conversation, I just want to let you know you can find her on Instagram at A I love her Instagram name. It's A4H's B-R-E-E. She's amazing. Also, while you're at it, you can find me at cat.defada and the podcast at, at uni therapy podcast. So go follow her lot of great info and stuff on there for you to find. And you can work with her no matter where you live because she's a coach and doesn't practice as a therapist. So that's awesome. Anywho, anywho, I don't think I have ever said that before. <laughs> anyway, I hope you enjoyed this conversation, hearing it just as much as I enjoyed having it. And we already are in plans of having her on for the next thing because some stuff came up for me as we were talking. So enjoy her, love her, and thank you for being here. Here's my conversation with Aubrey. All right, everybody, we have Aubrey back again for the second time. She came and talked to us, I think it was October and we did an episode on befriending your inner critic. And if you haven't listened to that, go back and do that because it was very good. And I reference that a lot, even in sessions with clients and give it as homework for them to go listen to. And it's been really helpful for people. So you're back again. Yeah, that. it was. it's great. You're back again. <laughs> and today we'll probably talk about a lot of things, but As a self-worth coach for you, one of the things that you focus on is you say breaking up with people-pleasing. That's a thing that you help people do. And so I want to talk about what that means, how you even do that, why we need to do that. And I think it is very timely now because we just released an episode maybe 2 weeks ago about codependency.
0: Where should we start with this? Like why we need to do it or what even is yeah. people pleasing? So as a self-worth coach, folks come to me because they are, you know, struggling with something under the umbrella of self-worth, mm-hmm. which is a big umbrella, <laughs> right? So it can be literally anything from I struggle with my self-confidence at work and need to advocate for myself more to like I don't know how to ask for what I need in relationships to I don't know what I want out of my life and, you know, so it's it's, it's a whole range of things. But something that tends to be a common thread for folks that I work with is this trait of people-pleasing. And I feel like it's a, a term that we throw around a lot, and a lot of us have like a sense of what we feel like it means for us. But when I talk about people-pleasing, I'm basically talking about someone who has an emotional sort of need or pull to please others, and particularly at the expense of their own needs or desires. So somebody who is always mindful of how their behavior is going to, you know, please or or displease others and wanting to keep other people happy. Mm-hmm. And it's something that a lot of people struggle with to to differing degrees, right? And it's something that's interesting because it's it's so tied up in so many things. It can be different based on how you were raised. Mm-hmm. It can be different based on how you were socialized to your gender. I tend to work mostly with women, not mm-hmm. all women. But a majority of my clients uh, were socialized as women, identify as women, and feel this pull particularly hard, right, to be a people pleaser, to kind of have your behavior, you know, be what is going to make other people happy, keep other people comfortable. Comfortable, so the,
2: that is, that's a big one.
0: Yes, yes. Keeping other people comfortable. And, but at the expense of you know, what, what you want or what you need, which I think is, is the key. You know, I do have clients come to me and say, you know, I'm, I'm a people pleaser, but like, I don't want to like become mean or callous or not care about other people. So when I'm, you know, working with folks and coaching them and I'm going to, you know, help them as you, as you mentioned, I, you know, want to help folks to break up with people-pleasing and really kind of detach from this sort of pattern of behavior, people's response is like, wait, 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 are you going to, like, are you going to turn me mean? Like, am I going to have to like not be kind to people? And the goal is not, you know, to stop caring about other people, right? Or to stop, to stop being mindful of what would make people in your life feel okay or happy. You know, you're still going to think about those things, but it's not to prioritize those things over what matters to you and what's important to you and what makes you feel good and well and safe and all of those things. And that's really the key is when we start to prioritize other people's needs, other people's comfort other people's preferences for us over what we need and what we want
2: that is one of the biggest pushbacks i hear when i'm talking with no matter who it is a client or just a person in the world of like well that sounds mean because especially people pleasing has a lot to do with boundary work which i'm sure we'll talk about but it's like that sounds mean who created the idea that saying no is mean or unkind where did that start Is it just in our culture, but that is one of the hardest concepts for people to understand that saying I can't do that or I don't have that in me or that's actually not something that I can take on or want right now is not you being an asshole. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And I mean, and this is something I talk about a lot is the difference between being nice and being kind. Let's talk about that. I think there's often a gender component to this, of this way that we're socialized and largely as women to be nice and to show up in a way that is palatable, right? And I think we think about being nice as like, we conflate that with being kind, but they're two Mm -hmm. different things. Being nice is about being polite, Mm -hmm. is about not making anybody uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Is about um, being seen and not heard. Mm-hmm. Is about performing mm-hmm. for others, and you know, not making too much noise, not causing mm-hmm. trouble, and being kind is something different. Being kind is about, yes, being mindful of other people and making sure other people are kept safe. You're considering other people's needs and boundaries too. But being kind is telling the truth, Mm -hmm. right? Being kind is being honest. You know, we talk about people pleasing and how we'll prioritize other people's needs all day long. And then we feel resentful at the end of the day, right? The reality is that if we're constantly prioritizing someone else over ourselves, then we're going to feel resentful towards that person. There's going to be anger that's building up and that person might have no idea idea because we're not communicating it, which is also in its own way, unkind, because we are building up resentment, we are building up feelings of anger, and we're not making our needs known. And there's a level of dishonesty to that. And I think we sort of demonize the idea of setting boundaries and of naming our needs, because we're taught that that's like high maintenance, right? That that's asking for too much. When in reality, it is a kind act to set a boundary with someone, because you you are telling that person, this is the instruction manual for how to treat me right? This is the instruction manual for me to feel good about our relationship and our interactions. And it also sets the stage for that person to be able to do the same in return. And so setting boundaries often isn't nice, right? And I'm doing big air quotes. It's not nice, but it is kind, you know, but we we think of it as being this like very rude, mean thing to do because, because it asks something of someone else and, you know, we're socialized to not do yeah, that.
2: Echo everything you said right there. 100%. And I want to talk about because what popped into my head is, I don't know that men have this issue as much. Mm. I'm not a man. So I don't know if that is 100% accurate. But do you see as much of a issue with men saying, I'm afraid I'm not going to, I'm going to be mean or whatever. I don't think they're even thinking about the difference between nice and kind. I just, whatever. But for women, it is this idea that we need to be these like pleasant, friendly, like those are the adjectives that are coming to my head. It's like, I want to be pleasant. I want to be friendly. I want to be bubbly. I want to be, and like, I am those things, I think, yeah. authentically, but have you seen this as generally an issue that comes up more in that aspect? I'm thinking that yeah. especially because on on TikTok, <laughs> there's so <laughs> many. <laughs> Um, which I'm totally one of those people that's like, I'm never getting a TikTok and now I'm like, Okay, there's actually some good shit oh, yeah, on no. TikTok. But there's yes. all those um videos that are coming around of like that are showing like females sending emails in the workplace or whatever and it's like, Hey there, exclamation point. I hope you're doing great, exclamation point. I just wanted to maybe see if possibly we can instead of like uh yeah a, and a guy would just be like, Hey, I need <laughs> hey, do this, right? right? So which also isn't mean. That's not mean to, to right. that's just being a professional, right? So yeah. Do you see that generally? What does that look like? I know you work mostly with women, but as
0: you're s- saying the differences, that's a great question. I mean, I will say with the caveat that, you know, regardless of gender, if someone is gravitating toward me as their coach and just kind of my general ethos and the stuff that they know that I'm, you know, there to support with, it's going to be someone who is acknowledging that they're struggling yeah. with this, right? So, in, you know, even folks who come to work with me who wouldn't identify as women, which includes folks who identify as men, there's the this element of they are struggling with it if they're coming to me. With that said, majority of the folks that I work with are women. And, you know, when I am working with men, we talk about the gender element a lot. It's something that comes up often because there is this acknowledgement. I mean, I was talking to a client about this recently, that there is this acknowledgement of recognition that there's a gendered component to Mm -hmm. this. There is a way that as women, we are socialized to be Softer yeah. and to be easier to more digestible, yeah. you know, easier for folks to receive. And it's it's so wild to even <laughs> like describe it out loud because it feels like very archaic, yeah. but it very much is present and real in the way that we feel like we have to show up as being low maintenance, yeah. as being easy. Oh, I can you know I can do whatever. It's totally fine. It's like like you're saying with the with the TikToks about how we like even feel like we have to write emails to like be like light and bubbly yeah. and fun and like totally okay if you can't get to it today. Like it's not a big deal when actually a big it, deal. it is quite a big deal. Yeah. So I think, you know, I think it's, I think it's something that is a, a particular challenge for women in the way that we're socialized. Now that's not to say that men are exempt from yeah. it, you know, certainly, but you know, when I work with men who struggle with this, it's, it has tended to be in my experience more about, you know, kind of like an early family mm-hmm. environment, which I think is true for a lot of this Regardless of gender, mm-hmm. right? That often when you talk to someone who really struggles with people pleasing, it's been an issue since childhood. It's been something that we kind of learned our role in a family system, often by people pleasing, and you know, which is something that is also true of, of codependency, right? And they're they're different concepts, but closely linked together. But it's it's something that. You know, you can look back often from a young age and see that, oh, this is this is the role that I played was to keep everybody else comfortable and happy. And so this is the role that I now play into adulthood. And that often ends up falling on women. Yeah. And, you know, as I'm sitting here
2: thinking, there could even be a whole other aspect of if I'm a man and I struggle with this, it feels like I shouldn't.
0: Yep. Absolutely. And that's a whole
2: nother element. I like the, I like mm-hmm. that you said, like, it feels archaic that this is even a th- concept that we're talking about because to me it, it is, it's like, wait, haven't we progressed? But then yeah. like, maybe we didn't all the way. Like we haven't, there's still so much work to do in that.
0: <laughs> well, and it's hard because I think we can, you know, so many of the clients that I work with. And again, like some of this is my, I'm like, An outspoken feminist. My orientation outwardly is like very progressive. So, again, clients who are working with me often see themselves in that. And so we kind of share that view. And then there's a sense of shame around that, too. There's a whole nother layer of like, shit, like I'm, I want to be past this. I'm, you know, like I'm somebody who wants to be this like very independent, self possessed person who wants to break free of gender roles. And here I am feeling like I'm. I'm stuck in them. And a lot of that is like intergenerational, like just stuff that is passed down unconsciously, right? And it still is very much like the culture that we marinate in is still pretty deeply sexist. And so I think it's even if intellectually, we very much are able to feel like, no, 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 I don't want to live into that. I don't feel attached to like Traditional gender roles, I, you know, it can still be easy to get caught up in that and to have that kind of bubbling underneath the surface subconsciously all the time.
2: And we'll get back to the point of this conversation, but (laughs) I'm
0: having my own little moment here. I love it. I
2: even myself am sitting here thinking about, I consider myself, I'm not like super outspoken, but I'm pretty opinionated. I have some strong thoughts. I don't mind sharing them. And I'm sitting here think, trying to like, think about how this all is relating to me i wouldn't consider myself a huge people pleaser but i have struggled with that in the past and i think we all have an essence of that i also like to feel like super feminine i like that feeling but i'm also sitting here feeling like when i show up as that part of me in my head i'm not feeling that way it's like this doesn't feel feminine and why is that why are those not allowed to be together Like me being the strong person, Mm -hmm. which is a whole socialized thing. It's so my like it's so what I was grow I grew up in. It's so what I've seen on TV. It's so like people I surround myself with because those things aren't mutually exclusive. But I'm even sitting here because I think part of the work of all this is realizing that you're in it. Yeah, that's this is not a conscious thought that I walk around with all the time. It's like when I show up as really strong, sometimes I don't feel as like feminine. As I do when I'm doing being this like little quiet and it's like, Oh, I don't like that. I don't like that. Why am I connecting those? And that's part of the deconstruction of it all. Like noticing that, that you're, I'm connecting those things. Even I'm connecting them. Yeah. So. I think it's important for anybody listening to this, even if you're somebody who's like me, who's like, I don't like that. And it shouldn't be this way. Do you sit in some of that sometimes?
0: Oh, man, that's really good. I was
2: talking um, earlier to somebody about just retraining like core beliefs and messages and all of that and how important it is to go back and look at where they came from and then also look at what you want the messages to be now and why we have to do both and why we have to do things like affirmations and even the even though they feel like really dumb sometimes and why we do that is yeah. because we have to actually start vocalizing the story that we want and the story we want to live mm-hmm. while we know what the old story is. We have to know what we're moving away from as we're moving into something and I think that's right there what I'm thinking about in my head is like I have to as I'm looking at this stuff and and doing this work, recognize where my stuff is coming from. What am I even saying to my, I need to know what I'm saying to myself, which is so a tangent.
0: No, this is great. Because as I mean, as we think about this idea of like what it is to break up with people pleasing, right? And how I think about that process with clients, What you actually shared is like perfectly, perfectly aligns with that, which is that like really the first piece is identifying like what it is in your behavior, recognizing like what does people pleasing look like for me? Is that what I'm doing, right? So like we already talked about, you know, people pleasing is really, you are a people pleaser if you're somebody who will prioritize the needs and preferences and comfort of someone else over your own needs. If you will sort of push your own needs to the side to keep someone else comfortable, that is people pleasing. It can show up in a million different ways, but that's sort of the basis of it, right? If you're someone who struggles to say no because you're going to make someone else uncomfortable, if you struggle to set boundaries because you're going to make someone else uncomfortable. So it's recognizing, okay, am I doing this, right? And seeing the examples of where that shows up and then the next piece that is often the really, really hard part for a lot of people, its I mean, it's all hard, but this part is really hard, is really recognizing and unearthing what those core beliefs about yourself are Mm -hmm. that cause this to happen, Mm -hmm. right? And some of that is what we've just talked about, the stuff around, you know, gender and, you know, that I am supposed to be Mm -hmm. a certain way, whether that's related to your gender identity, whether that's related to, you know, I, I talk a lot with people who are parents about this and, you know, the experience of feeling like, well, I have to put everyone else's needs above my own because that's my role as a mom or because, you know, that's my role as a caregiver. For people is there's this sense of like, you know, I'm thinking about what the kind of common core beliefs are under that. But, you know, a lot of folks struggle with a core belief of, I don't get to have boundaries or needs. I don't get to have that. I had a client recently that I was talking to about a situation where they felt pressure to, because they had promised to spend time with someone, they felt pressure to like engage in sexual interaction with a person because they had said that they wanted to do it before and it would make the person upset if they said no. And for me to reiterate to that person, you get to say no, like you get to not do that just because you don't want to, like simply because you don't want to, was like an absolute revolutionary Game changing moment for that person to just hear. Like the person said to me, you know, I've never thought before that I get to say no or that I get to assert my needs or I get to express a preference or I get to set a boundary. There's often this belief that's under there that we don't always look at directly, but when you really sit with it for a minute, you know, you ask yourself, what is the fear if I stop? Engaging in this people pleasing behavior? What is the fear if I stop answering the phone every time my mom calls me 28 times a day and tell her, like, I can't talk right now? What's the fear of what's going to happen? What is the fear if I don't make sure everyone else is comfortable? What am I afraid is going to happen? And that gives you clues into, you know, the further you go down the road with that. Well, I'm afraid that, you know, my mom will be mad at me. Okay, so what if she's mad at you? Well, I'm afraid that, you know, she won't love me anymore. Okay, you think she won't love you anymore if you set a boundary? Yes, I'm afraid that the reason people love me is because I have no boundaries. There's fear underneath there for folks about whether you have the right to set boundaries. Oftentimes there's fears about, you know, your, your inherent lovability and what makes you worthwhile to keep around. There's lots of folks who believe, you know, if I'm not showing up to keep others comfortable to make them happy, then I have no worth. And so this is how I'm playing into my worth and my role in relationships is by being helpful, being useful. And that part is really important because if you don't know what that, you know, core operating belief is, then to your point, you can't actually sort of like reorient and write a new narrative and write a new story for yourself if you don't know what you're rewriting.
2: Yeah. And I got to say this just for myself to say this out loud, that like, Every human being has the, has the right to say no whenever they want. You could say yes, yep. 10 seconds before, and then you get to say no. Yep. And that is yep. just the right you have as being your own human. That's right. Now, the really painful part of, of that statement is that so many people don't really believe that, or they believe it for everybody else's except themselves. That's right. And breaks my heart every time I hear something like that and it can be little things it can be big things it can be with sexual consent it can be with like at work and be it can be with friends it doesn't matter what it is you always have that right and that's one of those things I wish I could just like Box that up and like implant it into people's brains. Yes. We can't do
0: that. Yes. We'd be out of jobs, but (laughs) it'd be worth it. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. For everyone to, I mean, imagine that. Like, imagine a world where people really inherently believe, and that's believing in like your gut. That is a belief in your own autonomy and your ability to choose for yourself that so many people don't have. And that's so sad, Mm -hmm. but it's It's real. real.
2: It feels like you're stepping into a next destination for ultimate comfort at Cozy Earth. Visit CozyEarth.com and use our code need at checkout to get 35% off. Yes, 35% off and let them know that we sent you you need therapy after you check out.
0: Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.
1: Rain or shine, every day is a great day for fishing, right? You got rain gear, but you can't overlook sunny day gear. A Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie has you covered on the sunniest days. Like, literally.
2: The why we don't think that we have that, because what it comes down to is if I say no, or if I don't show up how people want me to show up, or if I don't do the thing that people expect me to do, or if I, whatever it is, the fear usually when we really boil it down, like you said, is that like people will leave me because then why will people stay around? And what I believe is we, you will never know why people really will stay around if you don't give yourself a chance to see that, because this is the other thing humans are humans. And if you're giving me everything I want all the time, I'm going to take advantage of that, right? So if I always know that Aubrey, every time I need something, you will drop everything for me. And you don't ever complain about it. And you look like you're fine with it. I'm going to know that I'm always Mm going to go to Aubrey when I need something, right? However, that might not be the only reason I like you, right? Or that I want you in my life. But if you don't give me an opportunity to experience that, and if you don't give yourself an opportunity to experience that, you have no data to support the fact that you have worth outside of that the most terrifying thing to do because what you're doing is you're risking to sit in your biggest fear now have you had experiences this is the other thing where people have done that and people have left them I finally start setting boundaries and people are like well okay I don't like this
0: Yeah, it's happened for me personally Mm -hmm. in my own life. It has happened for my clients where, and it's so interesting because there is, to your point, there's always the chance that's Mm going to happen, right? That you're going to set a boundary and that someone is not going to be willing to respect Mm -hmm. the boundary. Because really, that's what you're doing. When you're setting a boundary, you're inviting people to either rise to the occasion or not, right? You are giving them a choice. It is actually like people think of setting boundaries as like estrangement, right? Like that's immediately what people's brain goes to. It's like you're setting a boundary with someone, that means you're saying, I'm never talking to you again. which actually isn't, I mean, that can be a boundary, but that's on the pretty far extreme, right? Often boundaries are things like, it doesn't feel good for me when we talk about this topic, so can we talk about something else, right? It's things much more in the gray and much softer and more nuanced than that a lot of the time. You're giving somebody the option to either respect it and say, okay, I hear you and respect the boundary or not. And they have that choice, right? You're giving someone a choice. And that's what's scary is because there's always the possibility that they choose like, no, this is too much for me to deal with. I think the like obvious thing to say that I think is not necessarily soothing, but is deeply true is that if somebody is not willing to respect your boundary, and I really believe this, if you set a boundary to someone and they are not willing to put in the work to respect it, that is not a person that you want to have in your life. And I think for somebody who's really struggling with this, that's not always a comforting thing to hear, but it is for a lot of my clients when they actually move into that place, they do the work of figuring out, often role-playing with me, how they're going to have the boundary conversation and really getting aligned with like, this is what I want my boundary to be. I understand why it's important to me. I feel ready to communicate that to another person. They do it. And that other person is like, nope, sorry, and walks away. My clients will pretty quickly get to the place of like, yes, I'm grieving this and it is painful. That's, I mean, losing somebody is always going to be painful. Rejection is going to feel painful, but at the same time, you are standing in your power knowing I have set a boundary that's important to me. There is a sense of, I am proud of me for doing what matters to me and for honoring myself. And you see that that other person wasn't willing to meet you and rise to the occasion. You put all the work in to set the boundary. And somebody, frankly, who deserves to be in your life, at minimum is going to come back and be willing to figure something out with you to make that work to continue in relationship. And I think it doesn't always look as clean as, hey, this is my boundary. Can you respect it? Yes, totally. Never a bump in the road again. Like that's the ideal scenario. And often it looks different from that. Often it's like, I need to understand more why you're setting this boundary or my feelings are initially hurt, but like I want to try or somebody at least engaging with it to to some degree is a demonstration that they're invested in the relationship with you. Somebody who walks away because a boundary is set is not deeply invested in that relationship. And so I think there's a combination of holding space for the grief that is real and also recognizing that in order to move forward into the healthy place that you want to be. And if you're coming into coaching, often if you're, you know, I imagine if you're coming into therapy, there's pain, you're in pain in your current state, and you want to move out of it. And unfortunately, sometimes that's going to mean not being in relationship with certain people, because they're not willing to engage with the boundaries.
2: That's the essence of things are going to get worse before they get better, right? Which is usually what happens yeah. when you decide to make yeah. a change like that. And, you know, I, I frame that as like, you what you're doing in those moments, you could live that way forever and you can be in that pain forever and you can get comfortable in that pain and all of that but this is you giving yourself a shot to actually feel what real loving caring relationships can look and feel like and if you don't give yourself a shot you'll never probably experience that and so yeah there there will be people because the truth is our world is full of very unhealthy, dysregulated uh-huh. human beings. <laughs> and we yes. can't always tell who those people are, like just from looking at the outside. And so if if you find somebody in your life who's like, oh, no, I, I can't get down with your boundaries and I can't learn how to respect you and have a healthy relationship with you. That sucks so bad. And like at the yep. end of the day, probably not going to be good for you anyway.
0: No, I think too, I think the important thing to also remember and that I remind my clients of all the time is like back to your point about, you know, you're giving yourself a shot to see what's going to happen. When you're a people pleaser, you move through the world with the assumption that your needs are going to get dismissed, that other people aren't going to meet your needs, right? That, you know, that other people are going to disrespect your boundaries. And so you're not even going to try to set them because you're assuming that other people are coming from that place of not respecting you or what you need. And so- you're not even giving them the chance. A lot of my clients have never set boundaries before and are like, no, I literally am starting from scratch here. And giving yourself the chance to start and have those conversations with people, you're exploring it what it's even like to have those conversations and people are going to surprise you. That's the thing is that, you know, what we also forget is that being able to have those vulnerable conversations and have the boundary conversations and have conversations where we're addressing conflict directly are actually gateways for intimacy, which is something I think people forget, right? The willingness to, you know, if we are, if you like going back to the example you use where You know, you know that if you ask me for help, I'll drop everything and I'll be there. And I don't seem to be upset. I always answer the phone, like whatever. But let's say inside I've got all this resentment brewing, right? I'm angry. I'm pissed. You always call me when you need something, but like you're never there for me or whatever. Like I've got this story I'm telling myself. And if I don't tell you about it, that just goes on forever until one day I blow up at you and I'm pissed and you have no idea why versus if I say, I'm so glad and grateful that you call me when you're struggling with something and like, I want you to keep doing that, but also like I'm trying to create healthy boundaries for myself. So there are going to be some times that I have to, I have to say no. And it's not because I don't love you and care about you and want to help, but it's because, you know, I'm like trying to, to really take care of me. And so I just wanted to let you know that. That doesn't push someone away is the reality, at least not in a healthy scenario. And like often that invites somebody in to really get closer to you, to say like, wow, I really like, thank you for telling me that. Thank you for being willing to initiate a vulnerable conversation. I think often people really appreciate somebody being willing to come to them with something that feels so vulnerable and so personal. Because what you're saying by setting a boundary is, hey, our relationship matters to me and I want it to be sustainable long-term.
2: As somebody who I consider myself to be a healthy human, I would be so Distraught if I knew how upset one of my people in my life were about how yes. maybe I was treating them, even yeah. though you might have trained me to treat you that way. I would be so upset if I knew that somebody I loved felt that way. And it does feel like very loving of like, oh, you care about me and our relationship that much that you are going to do your least favorite thing in the world, which is to be vulnerable. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that makes me feel so important to you. And as a healthy person, yeah, let's work on this. I'm sorry for what I might have communicated accidentally. Let's figure out a way that we can be in this relationship and be here for each other. That works for both of us because it doesn't work for me that you're showing up, but you're resenting me. That doesn't work for me. (laughs) I don't want that. Yes,
0: exactly. Exactly.
2: So I think that's a really good point. So is that just how do you coach people through this because we've got the ins and outs and like why we might be this way and the fears behind it and then the fears of actually doing it but if somebody's like oh my gosh everything you're saying is me and maybe I'm one of those people that identifies with the fact that I really do want to be like nice and keep people comfortable and all that. What is a step? Yeah, Are there steps that you can just give somebody or is it like, we'll go meet with somebody to talk through it? What would you say?
0: I think it depends on the person. I think, you know, for some folks having having the accountability and the support directly of somebody can be really helpful, which is, you know, tends to be Folks that I work with as my clients. But in terms of like actual tangible steps, I think it's recognizing that you're even doing it in the first place. I think a lot of folks exist in the place of, you know, I feel resentful in my relationships. I feel like I'm doing everything for everyone else and no one's doing anything for me and I don't know why. And so it's first having the recognition of like, oh, this is what I'm doing. That's a significant step. Then it's doing what we just talked about, which is sort of peeling back why. Like, what are the beliefs I have about me that tell me? that I need to show up this way. And, you know, that gets you to the place of recognition that this is painful and I don't want to do it anymore, right? I need something different, which is often the moment that people come into either coaching, therapy, whatever the setting might be. And so when I'm working with a client, it's really exploring and understanding those beliefs and then moving into practice of boundary setting, what boundaries need to be set. And that's really sort of the, the real life application that is often... Challenging and is ongoing forever, which I think some folks are frustrated with that idea that it's not like a one and done. How many sessions do
2: I have to do? Like, at what point is this
0: over? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. It's like, and you know, when I work with clients, it's really about building up the skills so that you can rinse and repeat over and over, you know, but you have sort of the muscle built up. And so, you know, setting boundaries is really, it's it's very, it can look a million mm-hmm. different ways. It's very tailored to the individual situation. But I mean, in the example that we're using, if I'm talking to someone who feels like they're showing up all the time for their friend and their friend isn't showing up for them and they feel like they don't know how to say no or set a limit, then it's literally practicing what that would look like, what mm-hmm. it would look like to have a conversation. Oh, you're terrified to have that conversation. Let's talk about why, right? Like let's literally play out Mm -hmm. the worst case scenario of what you think could happen. And let's also play out the best case scenario. Let's think about what if this went really well? What would that look like? What do you think that would feel like to be in a relationship with someone where you were able to set a boundary successfully and it felt better? And then how does that compare with your current reality, which is obviously feeling painful because you're here in this conversation with me. And so it's recognizing that enough that we can move forward into actually practicing boundary setting. And I think that's something that's a challenge for a lot of people. The thing I would recommend is if you are brand new to setting boundaries, if you've like never ever done it before, if you're really like not sure where to start or how to practice that, Boundary setting is something that I think we think about only doing in our like most toxic, painful relationships, like the relationships that brought us into coaching or therapy in the first place. And I actually don't recommend that people start there. I recommend that people start in a – like if you think about your relationship where you're the most comfortable, where you can be the most yourself – often where we think about like, oh, I don't need boundaries with this person because they just like know what I need. You still need boundaries in that relationship. FYI, like every relationship can benefit from naming and, and making explicit boundaries. But practicing with that person, right? And even literally telling somebody, whoever this person is for you, if it's your best friend, if it's your partner, if it's your brother, you know, whoever it is, saying hey, I'm working on setting boundaries and like it's brand new for me and I'm really comfortable with you. I like, I feel safe with you. And so this is like, if I could just practice some of this stuff on you, that would be really helpful to me. And, you know, and naming for that person too, like our relationship is really important to me. So I think like it could be nice for us to talk about some of this stuff anyway, right? And being able to do that, like in small ways, I think something else that we think about with boundaries is that we're always setting boundaries around things that are bad. Boundary setting always is in response to like, Toxic, negative, harmful behavior. When I also think boundary setting can happen in the opposite direction. Like it's it's different from setting a boundary. But like if something I encourage my clients to start with is naming when someone has done something really lovely, and you want it to be repeated. And that's a good way to practice it sort of in the inverse. So you feel like you're getting into the habit of talking about how people's actions make you feel without it it being super high stakes. So like, you know, I had a client who was saying that a friend reached out to her just out of the blue For no reason and was checking in and it like made her whole day. And I said, okay, did you tell that person that? Well, no. I mean, I just figured, oh my God, tell them. Like you should tell them, hey, when when you're thinking of me and you just reach out to me in the middle of the day, like that makes my day. And I just wanted Mm -hmm. you to know- that that made me feel that so good. it's training and that, somebody how to treat you. That's the same thing as a boundary. Yeah. Yes. A hundred percent. It's the same concept. Yes. It's just, it's just in reverse and it, and you see, right, how that feels a lot mm-hmm. easier to practice starting with that than to say like, Hey, it made me feel like shit when you said this thing to me the other day, because that feels so yeah. fraught and so intense. A
2: hundred percent. I'm so glad that you said that. I, I want to add to that with a lot of this and the same goes to when you're doing any kind of codependency work in general, is you're also going to have to find a way to like soothe yourself because being able to sit with somebody else's possible, uncomfy feelings is mm-hmm. hard, no matter who you are, usually. And yeah. so what and the people yeah. that can do it well, are the people that have coping skills. And so mm-hmm. through all of this, yeah, do all this work, try these things, start where you need to start. And then also think about what do I need to implement in my life that helps remind me that this is a okay thing that I'm doing and a good thing. How do I regulate myself and my nervous system as it starts to get anxious around this stuff? So you can yes. tell your body and your mind that I this is not, there's no threat here, I'm okay. Yes, yeah.
0: absolutely. Well, and that's where... That's where, you know, sort of the affirmation piece really comes in. It's getting grounded in, you know, if you have that belief of I don't get to set boundaries, then it's how are you reprogramming with a more, the more positive flip side version of that, which is I deserve to have boundaries or my needs matter or what, you know, whatever the case may be, something that you can return to. I think... The other thing that's important that you just, I mean, you just keep bringing me right to like whatever the next step is. So thank you for that. You know, the, the piece of this that ends up being really important as you're setting boundaries too, and that goes hand in hand is that. The piece that we often continue to forget about and leave behind is that we have needs and desires too as people pleasers. We just push them to the side to focus on other people. And in boundary work, it can really still feel like we're doing that because it's very emotionally intense focus on the other person and whether they're going to respect our boundary or not. And another piece of being a people pleaser is like, okay, how can we reconnect you with the things that are meaningful and important to you? Because so often when you're a people pleaser, you've been so focused on other people and what they want and what they need that you've forgotten completely what it is that you want, what you enjoy in life, right? I'll ask somebody who is kind of my typical client, you know, like, what would make you happy right now in this moment? What would make you the absolute happiest? And their response is like, if my boyfriend got to do this thing, I'd be really happy or if my such and such person said, like, it's truly, it is, it becomes so, we're so fused like would make with other happy. people. Yes. Like, I don't know, you choose, right? And so there is that Also, work that's always kind of constantly going on, which is connecting with yourself, right? And some of that goes back to that self soothing. It's like, what do you enjoy? What makes you happy? What is grounding for you? Not because it has anything to do with anybody else, but because it matters to you, because that's also important, right? Like, I mean, this is something that I imagine we both see show up with a lot of our peers, right? Is this sense that a lot of us will make our whole lives about helping other people because that's all that we know. And then we lose sight of ourselves and who we are and what we enjoy and I think We forget that things have value just because they bring us joy, not because it is doing anything to help anybody else.
2: Yes. Like you're allowed to be invested in something mundane in something simple, something that doesn't change the world. Like, let's go do those things. But also you're allowed to spend time doing things that nobody else will ever know about. That's right. I know I feel that personally in the climate of just the world right now more importantly the United States it feels like everything I do has to be something that helps fix all these things and changes all this stuff and I have to fight this fight and like yes let's do that because there are some battles to be fought also not everything has to be a big global thing that's going to change every single aspect of the world we're also just allowed to enjoy simple things like painting our toenails on a Friday night
0: I don't know why that that's came right in my head because I've never actually done that bomb. <laughs> The thing, the thing that came to my head was getting my nails yes, okay. done. So, like, I'm, I'm right there with you. But, like, no, and I mean, I think that's we can, and you can be a person who is engaged and who gives a shit about the things that are happening in the world and who cares deeply, and also recognize that, like, sometimes it is truly, it is self preservation yeah. to go into some like Audrey Lord here, yeah. like, what, what is the quotes, like, caring for myself is not self-indulgence, it's self preservation, and that is an act of political warfare. I think that's the quote. But like truly Which gives me chills. Yeah. Right. Like we can't show up for the stuff that matters to us in life if we're not taking care Mm -hmm. of ourselves. And that's why there's, you know, like people pleasers will build this kind of resentment or we don't we don't necessarily have the endurance to kind of do the work that we want to do or have the impact that we want to have if we're not connected to like what actually keeps us going. Mm-hmm. And it's okay if what keeps you going is going to get your nails done. Like it's okay if what keeps you going is not helpful to anybody About else, yeah. is just is just pleasurable to you, which is also another, another aspect for me is like diving into like, you no, know, like literally just what brings you joy and pleasure, not to do with anybody else. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of folks, that is like an uncomfortable place oh, to yeah. go. Cause it's like, I don't know, like it's just frivolous stuff. Like it doesn't matter. And it, but it's like, no, that's the stuff that matters yeah. the most.
2: Or we'll, we'll say is. things like it's dumb, but I think that, yes, yeah, I think that, that you saying yeah. like, that's the stuff that matters the most. That's where it kind of starts. It's like, how are other people going to care for us? It's so cliche, but it's like, how are other people going to care for us if we don't even care about ourselves or care for ourselves? Like you've got to start right. with self-respect and that's probably a whole nother podcast. <laughs> but okay so this was so great myself even have started to think about a lot of things through this conversation and I know there's more to it but I think this is a great place for people to start especially the people that really were grabbing on to that codependency episode that I did a couple weeks ago this is a great place for some of them to really start with untangling some of that stuff so thank you for this Thank you so much. Oh, my gosh. Thanks for having me.
0: Always, always
2: so much fun. fun. And I feel like I could talk to you for four hours. But, you know, people that haven't met you before, where can they find you?
0: Well, the place I like to hang out the most is on mm-hmm. Instagram. So you can find me there. My handle is Aubrey. So it's a 4 H's B R E E Aubrey. And um, you can also learn more about me at my website. That's mm-hmm. AubreyHenderson.com.
2: Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much. Yay.
0: Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.
2: You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like... Woo, And... Not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard?
0: Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer. During the Right Rug Flooring Hello Summer Sale, you'll find savings throughout the store, all backed by the right price guarantee, including carpet with a lifetime stain warranty, only $159 installed with pad.